Podcast. Welcome back to the Paso Paso Podcast. My name is Miles. Thanks for joining us today. On this episode, we will review a recent event. It was held online and uh, hosted by myself, led and initiated by Save the Children of New Mexico. Features a lot of legislators reflecting on the positive outcomes of this session, and we hope you find it informative and interesting. For more information, visit pasotaos.org. Here we go. My name is Lacey Daniel Miller. For those of you that don't know me, um, I see a lot of new faces and names here. I'm the state manager for Save the Children Action Network here in New Mexico. Um, and I just want to, I think we have quite a few folks joining us tonight. So if folks, I just want to encourage you if you're interested um, to, if you're, if you want to change your view, if you're in the gallery view, the speaker view might be a little bit better. So there's a little button up mine it's on the top right that says view and you can change to speaker view um, and I just wanted to share a little bit about Save the Children Action Network for those of you who don't know um, we're the political voice for kids and we've been uh, advocating here in New Mexico for a little over two years now and we advocate for early childhood education among other issues and we do that with our grassroots network of supporters we have supporters around the state and we have volunteer teams in Albuquerque, Santa Fe and Las Cruces. Um, if you wanna get involved, I'm gonna put my contact information in the chat box for you to reach out and definitely um, take what you learn at this event and uh, help us advocate uh, down the road. Um, and now I'm gonna pass it on to Miles and we'll get started with our program. All right, yeah, thanks for having me here. I'm glad to be uh, part of this evening. My name is Miles Bonney. Based in Taos uh, with the Paso Paso Early Childhood Provider Network here. And I also host uh, the podcast um, where we cover this issue uh, regionally and statewide. If you all are into podcasts, check out uh, Paso Paso or Paso Taos. Um, we have a wonderful panel tonight and some great questions. And if you have some questions, feel free to add them in the chat as we go along. And Lacey will uh, help me monitor that. Um, if it's all right, Lacey, maybe we'll jump into some of our introductions of our panelists now. Wonderful. Well, I'm very excited again to be here. Um, statewide is always very exciting, especially here in New Mexico. Uh, so getting started, uh, Secretary Elizabeth Groginski is here and she is the uh, leader of the New Mexico's new Early Childhood Education and Care Department, as you know. Prior to leading the ECECD, she was the Assistant Superintendent of Early Learning in Washington, DC and directed the Early Childhood Education uh, area of the United Way and served as director of Colorado's Head Start Collaboration Office as well. In addition, Claire Dudley Chavez is here. She's the director of policy research and quality initiatives at the New Mexico Early Childhood Education and Care Department. She's been an early childhood advocate for many years, previously serving as an early education advisor to Albuquerque Mayor Tim Keller and an early childhood policy at United Way of Santa Fe. Alan Sanchez is here as well. He's the president of CHI, St. Joseph's Children, the largest home visiting nonprofit in New Mexico and the executive director of New Mexico Conference of Bishops. He is the leader of Invest in Kids Now, a coalition advocating since 2010 to invest a tiny portion of our state's commonwealth, the land grant permanent fund into high quality early childhood programs. It was at this point that Save the Children of New Mexico awarded and recognized some of our wonderful legislators in our state who did so much great work this session. After that, I was uh, provided some questions for the panelists, and it was even more fun to hear what their answers were. Hope you enjoy this. All right. Well, on to the questions, uh, we have some here, and there'll be more to come. For a Majority Whip Gallegos, 
what inspired you to advocate for early childhood and push for the development of a state trust fund dedicated solely to young children? Um, well, thank you for the question. You know, I don't know if you all know this, but I've been a social worker for over 25 years. And uh, for a majority of that time, I've worked in child welfare and child advocacy. And, and during that time, um, I've seen lots of broken bones, uh, lots of broken spirits uh, with these kiddos. And um, being in, in that environment for so long, you have to look for the good. And, you know, just really wanting to make sure that children were safe, that they were developing properly, um, and that, you know, the, the grassroots programs were really going into homes and being able to assess children's safety, that they were able to assess um, early uh, diagnosis in case um, for sometimes hearing, sometimes visual problems, developmental delays. There's just so many building blocks. And so... You know, early childhood is, uh, it's been, we've been working at fine tuning it for so long. And this was just another piece of the puzzle that really came about with this early childhood trust fund. And I think uh, Representative Martinez said it best, you know, there were so many building blocks that really put it all together. And with the secretary at the helm right now, um, you know, our children's future is really bright. And so uh, just to be able to be a part of that and making sure that children are, are on the right path from the very beginning. And so that was so important to me and, and it's been my life's work. And so um, this type of recognition and just the group of people that I was able to work with on this um, just means so much to me. Thank you so much. All right, next question is for Alan, uh, Mr. Alan Sanchez. Uh, turning to HDR 1, the Constitutional Amendment for Early Childhood, what did it take to get this proposal passed after more than a decade of trying? And what will it mean for New Mexico families if it is approved by voters come November of next year? Uh, thank you for the question. Uh, the first time they sent the question to me, it's, you know, it's uh, after 10 years, like you said, after a decade, why did it pass this year? Because there were 10 years of advocacy. And uh, when we look at what, what size and what potential and what good, a lot of good is going to come from this. We get it passed, uh, was motivated people. But it took a coalition. We had to do a number of levels of educating 10 years ago. Now, when we first introduced this, we weren't 50th in children's well-being. It, we were 44th at the time. But the trend was moving. We were moving that way. And, uh, and then, you know, as we know, a few years ago, we went to 50th. But we had to first educate the public and the legislators about the condition of the children. It's like when you live by, I live by a train, <laughs> a train track, and you get so used to that noise that you don't realize, you know, the status quo just becomes normal. We had to educate the people and the legislators about the condition of our children. Once they accepted that condition, then we had to move in to educate the public and the legislators that the mitigator to the toxic stress were these high quality programs. And once we were able to get people to start seeing the programs are good, the programs work, the high quality, that's gonna make the whole difference. Then we push more and more about the money. But the Constitutional Amendment for Early Childhood is not just about where you get the money, but it was a social justice issue uh, because of the institutional racism that started that trust in, in 1910. Properties, that were taken from people of New Mexico 
these young children didn't have access to that intergenerational wealth that was was taken from them. So it's a, it's a social justice issue that we we work toward this. But it was like setting up dominoes. And I know Javier Martinez likes to embarrass me. And thank you, Javier, for your kind words. But I don't see those dark times when it failed or when we didn't get a hearing or, or you know, there's obstacles. Actually, that's when new life was being breathed into it each time. And so it was a dominoes. And then the domino effect took place. I have to just tell you, like one night when we thought we're going to lose and it was important to win in the house because every time the house won, it breathed new life into it for another year. Every year, it just grew greater and greater. That This chamber got it. And, and they have wise people and they had uh, appropriations there to it and we would pass. But we didn't think one night that we were going to pass off the floor. We, we're not, we weren't sure. Mo and Javier were sweating it. And this one man made a huge sacrifice, Repres former Representative Jim uh, Trujillo. And he came off his sick bed. He hadn't been in the legislature. He was recovering from triple bypass. And he surprised everybody. And he came. It was like a movie. When they make the story, this going to be beautiful. And now his double door swung open. There was Jim standing there, you know, with the angel of death standing behind him. He was running from the angel of death. And they called the vote. He pushed the button. Everybody looked at the screen. And when the count came in, he looked down and Jim was gone. But Jim came and breathed new life into it and each year new life was breathed into it why because it's all about the little guys now i know the truth is hard to accept but sometimes we want to defend the truth and people think alan you got a little rough and you got a little too tough with some of the legislators and people and no the truth is like a lion you don't have to defend it you just have to turn it loose and it defends itself uh, kind of like with our, our project um the uh the when we did the parody on new mexico truth but it was an education for instance i was happy to see baji there when we brought the uh, wonder of learning to new mexico all these layers of education that there was a need for the children that there's a mitigator to the toxic 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 stress that it's the programs and now they are worth funding and this is what now in 2021 our legislators and our public got it and the legislators got it only because the public got it. And the polls have shown it's strong. So not, not like 2003, where that constitutional amendment wasn't for early childhood. They had a few months to campaign. We've been campaigning for 10 years and the public have bought in and the polls are at 78%. So when they get to vote for this, people are gonna use their right and they're gonna make it happen. And the future is going to be bright. And the toxic, the epidemic of toxic stress is going to go away and New Mexico will be changed forever because there's a sustainable funding source. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you. Incredible. Appreciate it. I mean, it's also, you know, obviously you're, you're the right person for the job there. I uh, really appreciate the stories as well that we hadn't heard, you know, for those that weren't present um, of those sessions. I, I didn't know that. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, you were speaking of uh, Mr. Martinez as well. Chair Martinez, uh, what motivated you to continue pushing for the constitutional amendment for early childhood each year? You know, as, as I said it earlier, I think it, it was really the, the advocacy community, um, the Invest in Gates Now Coalition, which uh, uh, CHI St. Joseph's and, and Allen and Jessa Cowdery uh, helped lead uh, along with several other partners, including Voices and, and uh, Olay and, and, and 
save the children and so many others. Uh, but also, uh, you know, the, the families that I get to work with on a daily basis, um, you know, I, I get to work with families who left their homeland with nothing but the clothes on their back uh, because they want a better future for their children. Um, and if they are willing to make that sacrifice, if they're, if, if they're willing to cross through rivers and mountains and deserts, uh, deal with traffickers and, and all the bad people, if they are willing to deal with the risk of getting arrested by ICE and thrown in a cage, just because they want a better future for their kids, you know, putting up with some salty legislators every year in, you know, in the legislature, you know, it, it, it pales in comparison with that other sacrifice. So, you know, really it's, it's, it's people wanting that better future and, and us having the opportunity as a state to correct 500 plus years of racism and oppression by redistributing this massive fund that, hey, if you're in the financial investment world, that's a nice contract to have if you're the dude investing that money in Wall Street. But what about our kids? Our kids are dying on the vine, right? We know that. We know that. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know. And it's only gotten worse during this pandemic. We just haven't really heard the whole story yet, unfortunately, but we will one day soon. And I'm so glad we've got this dedicated fund. We've got this early childhood and care department with uh, the leadership of Secretary Griginski and her team. And we're going to do this right. We have to do it right. So, you know, that's really what, what motivated me over the years. Uh, back to Alan's point about Chairman Trujillo. Um, I was just looking up the year. So it was the 2017 session. If you get a chance, go to the webcast. This is archived. You all can see this. I couldn't agree more with Alan. It was out of a movie. And, and again, props to the leadership, because that was something that the leadership, uh, you know, Doreen and Cheryl and Brian Egoff and Rena, they all orchestrated this behind the scenes. I, we didn't know till the very last minute. Like, we didn't really know. We thought maybe Jim might come in and take the vote, but we weren't so sure because he had just gone through a crazy surgical procedure. And sure enough, he walks in. Uh, I'll never forget. He was wearing an Albuquerque Dukes baseball cap. We had to suspend the rules to allow him to roll in without a suit and tie and a baseball cap, which we did. And he came in right when they announced the vote. And you see the Republicans scrambling because all of a sudden they knew, they, they thought they had us, right? Because we needed that 37th vote. You need 37 votes to pass a constitutional amendment, right? We had 36 without Jim. Jim walked in, literally rolled in actually in a wheelchair, took the vote. By the time the media came down to interview, he was gone. We couldn't even say thank you. He was gone. I didn't see him for another year to the next session. That, that night might be the night that actually saved this movement. And I'm imagining there were no cameras present at the time. This is the legend lives on. Well, there is webcasts. So you can oh. actually, uh, you can't really see Jim, but you can just see everything stopping and everybody clapping. Wow. And then Jim leaves, but nobody saw him. No camera. Thank you.